Hey everybody and welcome to The Void, a show dedicated to filling the void between being an employee and becoming self-employed. Most people refer to starting your own company as taking the leap as if you're blindly jumping off a cliff and into the unknown. This show is here to help you understand that it doesn't have to be that way. And in the corner of my vision over here, they're trying to make me laugh, so bear with me. Um, as always, if you like what you're hearing on the show, please do us a favor and help share the void with somebody who uh, uh, might also wanting to be starting their own company. Uh, Dave and I saw an opportunity uh, to help others understand that self-employment is well within your reach. And just as our businesses have grown organically and by word of mouth, we want this show to grow the same way. So if you see somebody asking questions about starting their own service-based company, please do us a favor and send them a link to the show. I'm your host, Mitch Smedley, and with me as always is David Hilton. <laughs> What's up, buddy? What's up? You got a case of the giggles. I know. He's So does Marcus. I see him fucking back there laughing with his, pushing his mic away. Yeah. How's everybody doing? He's <laughs> Dave, Dave's half it's, lit. It's, thir- it's Thursday, Yeah. so I'm exhausted. We just did like 74 hours of pre-show prep. So, you know. 74 hours. Tired from that. <laughs> Weren't you wrecking before this? Yeah. Of course. I mean, we've said it before. Mitch and I, we still work. Marcus work works. all day. We I just, mean, like. We just do this after. You said you were doing some. Sh- yeah. It was brutal. Hard work. Some it's been a stuff. tough week. Yeah. It's only Thursday. One more to go. See, I don't know. I don't know about for you, but for me, some days are easy and some days are like, good God, like really tough. Yeah. And, That's just how it is. Yeah. If man. you were at construction, we're not telling anyone. That listens to this show. Yeah. Anything new? Yeah, yeah. If you're, I mean, in, yeah. It's just some days you just get home and you just lay on the couch and you look at the ceiling. And you're like, oh fuck. Yeah. Do I want to go tomorrow? You, you got that long. Even when it's your own business, you're like, you got that long shit. quiet drive home with no radio on. Yeah, the window you're so tired. <laughs> the window like, cracked just a little bit. Right. Yeah. It's worse in the summer. Oh yeah. So you stop and get a deuce deuce at the at the quick trip because <laughs> you're just so you're like I gotta have something. <laughs> Uh, We're not encouraging drinking and driving. Oh, I meant for when you get home. Okay. Like, you just get it, and then you get home, so you have it. And say, if you're going to do it, drink no. with your left and then drive with your right. <laughs> right? Jeff Foxworthy. No, oh, matter, no matter how drunk the left hand gets, the, the right, right hand always sober. gets home. Yeah. So, uh, guys, today we are going to do a Q&A show um, with a couple of questions that have been submitted to us here recently. And as always with these Q&A shows, they're always going to tie back to our uh, six... Uh, core uh, areas of adversity that you're going to want to overcome before you start your own business. So let me run through those real quick, uh, just so we can kind of get some framework for these. Uh, Step one is personal finance preparation, getting your personal finances in order before you start your business. Uh, Step two is business finance preparation. And so that covers everything from budgeting to uh, learning how you're going to um, fund the business, how you're going to raise the money or borrow the money or whatever the case may be. Um, step three is systems preparation. So that's going over all the different systems and processes that you're going to operate from. You're basically writing the rules for the business, how to handle customers, how to handle um, you know, the, the types of work that you're going to do, how to handle money, how to handle phone calls, and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, those three steps, you're going to want to work on those before you start your company. Um, and then the next three steps are steps that you're doing actively once your cus- company has started. Those are, uh, we call those the beginning steps. Um, they are step four is community involvement work. Um, and uh, whenever we do that community involvement work, we uh, 
hashtag it, it uh, with the, the hashtag find the need, fill the void. Uh, and that way, if you see others using that hashtag, you know they're also void listeners as well. Um, step five is wake up, do work, and repeat. So in that episode, we talk about um, uh, all of the, the stuff that it takes to just get up and redo the, the successful stuff every day, day in and day out. Uh, and then step six is evaluate performance and make adjustments and improve because that's how we get better. We have to understand what good performance looks like. We have to learn how to adjust our bad performance into good performance. And then we have to actually do that adjustment and, and, and improve. So all of those steps, we talk about all of those steps in episodes one through nine of this show. So whatever platform you're listening on, you can go back and look at, through episodes one through nine and find those episodes. And that is going to give you all of the nitty gritty for how to start your company. Yeah, if you're so, on, if you've just started listening and you like this, you know, you're like, oh, there's some good information in there. Yeah. The best information, and now I shouldn't say the best information, um, but the most important information uh, when it comes to starting your company is episodes. I shouldn't say episodes. Yeah, episodes one through nine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the episodes, six steps. Yeah. The six steps are the most important, and yeah. that's episodes one through nine. Yeah, we covered I wanted all to six say of six. E- I wanted to say six episodes and nine, nine steps. Nine steps. Yeah. No, it's six steps, nine episodes. Yep. Yep. And so uh, that's going to get you 85 to 90% of the information that you need. Obviously, everyone's going to be unique. Everyone's going to have different concerns or, or a unique facet to what they're doing. And so that's where the question and answers come in. Uh, if you have any questions, you can email us at askmitch at mitchsmedley.com, and uh, we will get those uh, questions in. And we uh, That's how we'll, we fill the gaps, and that's yeah. why we have the guest shows, too. Yeah. Because those guests, I mean, they have information that we haven't thought about right. or questions that were answered in their quest right. to open their own business that were answered. Right. So, I mean, there's, you know, everyone has little different pockets of information yep. that they use and can... Ha- that they use to start their business and that can help you start your business. Right. Man, right. I am like super tongue tied. <laughs> and, and some of the guests might even be starting a business that's not even in your wheelhouse, right? You might be wanting to start a sheet rocking business and we have a guest on that's talking about like a hair salon. Well, you, there's still, those episodes are still valuable to listen to because you might learn something about one of their experiences that like would help rent, you. Like their rental lease. Yeah. Maybe yeah. They had an issue with their rental lease and you have this, same fears and, right and that helps you get over that hurdle right to right. start in your own deal yep so, so uh today's questions come from two different individuals so we're gonna we're gonna hit these kind of in order here um jeremy from st louis is he the um, guy that had the two questions he so he's got a lot actually but he we're and, gonna go over two questions that he yeah yeah okay. and and he and i have been kind of messaging back and forth a little bit on facebook messenger but um uh, he, he lives in St. Louis. He works for a union plumbing company. And um, his first question was asking us what our thoughts are on union versus non-union. So, Dave, I'm going to let you go first with that one. <laughs> union versus non-union. What was his exact question? He was just, it, what are your thoughts on the union versus was non-union? He thinking, was he thinking about opening up a union shop? Versus a non-union shop? Is that what uh, the gist of his question was? He's, he's or thinking just in about, general? Yeah, he's thinking about starting his own plumbing company, and he's got he's he's heavily invested into the union now. Okay. And so he's got concerns about, like, considering leaving the union to start his own, but he could also mm-hmm. start his own company that was and, non-union. And be in, well, and be a union shop as well. Was his commercial or residential? Do you uh, remember? They kind of do a little bit of everything. Oh, okay. So... 
I mean, my general thoughts are, you know, back in the day, 60s, 70s, 80s, unions built this country. I mean, they basically, they built the middle class because people were getting shit on all the time by employers, basically. Right. Okay. And they realized, oh, you know what? If we band together, they can't screw us. Right. Now we're all getting paid a decent wage, you know, and especially in like in Detroit and the Motor City. Right. You know, when it comes to car manufacturing, that it was huge. Yep. And it, I mean, literally catapulted this country to being the great power that it is now. Um, I think now they have, they're probably a little too big. Some of them, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say all of them. Right. I'll say there's probably probably 15% of the unions in this country are too big. They're so big that they can manipulate uh, governments, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the teachers union is what really comes to mind. Yep. You know, and that drives me crazy. Yep. So, um, you know, it puts a bad taste in my mouth as far as, as that goes. Um, what I really wish people would do would stand up to those unions that are doing things the wrong way and kind of take those back, yep. you know, vote those people out. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'm on the fence, Yeah. to be honest with you, one way or the other. There are great things about unions. There are bad things about unions. You know, one of the bad things is I feel like people that are really working hard um, and making all the money these unions have in some circumstances taken advantage of them, and there are fat cats that sit at the top, or maybe not all the way at the top, but you know those first four or five tiers mm-hmm. that are sucking up a lot of that money, a lot of that due money, mm-hmm. and they shouldn't be. Yep. You know, and that's what I mean by people need to maybe need to stand up and and take back some of those unions. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to say they're all bad, but um, they can be, and they can be good at the same time. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to say that plumbing unions are bad. I don't know anyone personally that's ever been in a plumbing union or I, I mean, I know some pipe fitters. Mm-hmm. That's a little different. Yep. You know, when I think of pipe fitter, I think of, uh, commercial construction, uh, you know, gas pipe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, fire sprinkler, mm-hmm. you know, things of that nature. And those guys all have great things to say. Mm-hmm. So as far as, um, like service industry plumbers, uh, new construction plumbers, and and there are unions for all of those. I'm not going to speak to those specifically because I, I I'm just not sure. Right. But um, I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on that? When he asks, as a commercial plumber, you know, that kind of does a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> at, like, let's first, I'll give you kind of my opinion on unions in general. Um. I look at unions a lot like real estate agents. And so um, I agree. Yeah, unions helped build the country and everything else. One thing that happened as as the country developed into what it is today, anybody who wanted to be successful and needed a lot of employees to do that, you understand very quickly that if you are going to be successful, you have to, like you don't even have a choice. You have to treat your people very well. You have to pay them very well. You have to give them amazing benefits. You have to have a, a great culture. You have to provide, you know, health insurance and, and retirement and all of these things. And and you, you don't even it's not even a choice. If you want to be successful, you have to take care of your people. And so unions might be a little less important today than they used to be, 
because now everybody knows that if you want to treat people well, or if you want to be successful, you have to treat them well. Um, so, um, and I say that without trying to discredit the unions, right? Like a lot of the reason that is to the way today is because unions pushed those issues over the years. So in today's world, um, unions, I look at a lot like real estate agents. And so like, if I'm going to go try to sell my house, um, I could choose to try to do it without a realtor and I could try to navigate all of that financial paperwork and all of the contracts and I could meet all of the potential buyers and I could walk them through the house and I could do all the selling and I could do all the things that it takes to sell my house on my own and I could save that fee that I'm going to pay the realtor. Or I could hire in a realtor and trust that that realtor is going to do all the right things with the contract and say all the right things to the potential buyers and look out for the the sleazy buyers that we don't want to deal with and enter into a contract with and and do all of the experienced things that that realtor does in order to help sell my house and make sure I get a full value and a fair deal out of it. The choice is mine, right? Like I could go by myself or I could go with a realtor and if I'm going to go with a realtor, I'm going to pay a small fee. Unions are very similar. Um, if you have the ability to know what a good wage is and what a bad wage is, and you have the ability to barter for a good wage, and you have the ability to recognize what good benefits are and what they aren't, and you have the ability to find companies that produce good benefits and give and offer good benefits and, and all of that stuff, then you might not need to go union because you can handle a lot of those things on your own. However, if you want to just go work, and you want to just know that your employer is paying you fair, and you want to know that they're they're giving you good health insurance, and they're they're not working you too hard, and their their retirement is good, and all of that stuff. Well, then you can go union, give up a little bit of you know you're going to pay a small fee, you're going to give up a little bit of that, but you're all of those fears subside when you go that route. And so that's my honest opinion of unions. It's it just depends on what your mentality is. The one characteristic of that is it changes with geography. So we're in the Kansas City area. It's not a very strong union town. Um, you go over to St. Louis, ironically, where Jeremy's from, there's a lot heavier union presence in St. Louis than in Kansas City. And so, um, you know, that experience would change literally just on the other side of Missouri. Um, you, you get into, you know, Detroit and New York and Chicago and all that, and the unions are even stronger there. So that would twist things a little bit, uh, you know, with, with geography of just where you are in the U.S. But when it comes to starting your own company, you could really go either way there. I have a friend of mine in town that has a plumbing septic company, and he— When you say plumbing septic, they just do septics, they, and that's they, it? They do septics and, like, Repair ex- and exterior new. plumbing, okay. so excavation stuff and everything else. He actually flipped union. He started non-union— he was a was pro- that his choice or empo- his employees? No, choice? no, his choice. So he started non-union. Um, he was a prior union member, and so he knew the people to talk to and everything else. Well, he turned his company into a union shop, and and I had a great conversation with him. I said, you know, why'd you do it? And and I'm not questioning your decision. I'm just wanting to know your motives. Like, what made you do it? And he said he found it a lot easier to get really good quality guys because he could go to the labor hall. And no, like it go, it kind of like goes. He could both go ways. there and meet those guys, talk to them, do all that, and have guys on his radar. Right, he's got guys that. He does can, he still get to choose guys? Or yeah, does the he, union, he'll he'll pull oh, guys he from still, the labor okay. hall, and and 
you know, I, I don't know the, the ins and outs of exactly how it works, but he can pull them out. And then if they don't work out, he can send them back. Or if they work out great, he can kind of like claim them, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but I'm um, sure they have a little contract. I, yeah. I don't yeah. know. I was never in union. So. Um, but I mean, it's working out great for him. So he did it because it helped improve the quality of labor that he was finding because he was having a hard mm-hmm. time finding guys. And he was like, I didn't even care about the benefit thing because I was providing those anyway. So like it improved the quality of labor. It didn't change any of the other plans that I had. So it was great. It worked. Um, but in the same token, you may, I mean, you could go either way. You could, you could stay union and, and you're going to see some benefits there from your labor quality and improving and everything else. Or you could go non-union and just know that you're going to have to provide your guys with some amazing benefits in order to be successful. Yeah. And if so, you, and, and we've, we've beat this horse half to death, but you know, if you're providing, if, if you're worried about having guys, but you're providing them great benefits, that's how you keep your guys. Mm-hmm. That's how you get good guys from other companies to want to come work for you. Right. You know, so it's like you said earlier, you know, the unions have, they've made employers, whether they're union or not, provide those same benefits. Right. And in that area, they're good. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. The other thing that you need to do, too, is they do a very good job of training. They've got some of the best training programs out there. Some and of so, them. Yeah, some, some of them. them. Um, and, and so, um, you know, my, my friend across town that has the septic company, that was what he was latching on, was he was grabbing some guys that have been through a lot of training and everything else, and so he's not getting these total greenhorns that don't know their way around an excavation. So Yeah, and um, that can, in, in, in his industry, let's be honest, sometimes that can be unsafe. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, it could be it, deadly. It's like when you're bringing a you know a new guy in and you know he just jumps down in the hole. Dude, what are you doing? Right. Get at It's like you got to have that one little extra eye on him right. all the time. Right. You know, and if you get somebody that's experienced and has been through the training, no matter what kind of industry it is, it can be a benefit. Yeah. Yeah. So ultimately, you could go either way with union. Um and and uh, you're not going to see us like throw a blanket answer on that like, you know, go union, go non-union or whatever. It kind of depends on what your experience level is because your experience level is going to determine your comfort level. So if you were brought up through the union, then it might be better to stay union Yeah. because you're uncomfortable out of it, right? Yeah. If you were brought up out of it, then it might be more comfortable yeah. to, to stay out of it because that's where you're more comfortable with. And, so. and like Mitch was saying, so around here, I mean, like residential union plumbers are far and few between. You yeah. just don't see a whole lot of them. So there, there was one company in town for a while that was union. I yeah. don't even know if they still are or not. I don't Th- think they're was doing like business. new homes. Yeah, I don't um, even, I'm not even sure they're in business. Right. So I, I haven't done this for several years, but I used to go to lunch once a year with a guy who owns one of the larger union plumbing companies here in town. And um, Once it, a year? That's a pretty big gap. Yeah, once a year. <laughs> like, it, it was seriously, like we'd, we'd go out to lunch once a year and just kind of shoot the shit. But uh, um it, it was it was always interesting because he knew I would never go union and 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 so we were able to have like these uh, very candid conversations but just like factual how does, factual conversations yeah, like, about like, how is it how does it work over here and how does it work over here and how do you yeah overcome you can be these struggles yeah. and not have to worry about anything yeah because we're not competitors or anything else so no of course not. similar industries not competitors so it, it, I mean it, it you could you could really go either way with it so just kind of stick with what you know. Yeah, and for um, Jeremy, that's you know he could go either way, and if he if he is comfortable, and and listen, you know we've said this before when 
when people send in these questions, you know, we answer them yep. to them personally too. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we've had these conversations with Jeremy. Actually, on this one, Mitch has had the conversations yeah. with Jeremy. Yep. So. Um, Jeremy also asked, so later on in our conversations, um, Jeremy was asking, how do you sell your wife on the idea of starting your own company? <laughs> that could so, be that could be tricky for a lot of reasons. Yeah. You know, I, I will say How do you sell your wife? I told her, Hey babe, I'm gonna go out on my own and start my own business and she said, Okay. Right. That's literally what happened. Right. I, I mean, it wasn't that quick, but um just it, some of my background, I'll just, you know, tell you what it was. So I had been doing heating and cooling for I think right at 10 years and I was pretty burned out. Like I had been, uh, with a couple of guys that I was really close with. One of them, I still consider a great friend and I haven't even talked to him in like a year, but, um, we were down in a small farm town and started a heating cooling company. Right. Okay. And it was great. And I just, I mean, I got burned out. It took me literally from where I live to where we were doing business. It was 50 minutes to an hour every day and then an hour back. So I was burned out. So I quit them, told them, you know, I don't want to be part of this anymore. Went home. About two months later, I got a call from a friend that worked at Lake City Ammunition Plant Mm -hmm. and said, hey, they're hiring up there. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try something new. Okay. So I go to Lake City Ammunition Plant. I go up there. I fill out all my stuff. I go to work there. I worked there one weekend, three twelves. That yep. was going to be my shift. Literally, so the way it worked was you had to be in this little like pre-training program, and you filled all these holes. And then the, when there was an actual vacancy, they put if they liked you, they put you in there. Mm-hmm. So I worked three days. Didn't work the next weekend. The next weekend is when uh, they kind of had a disaster up there and a guy got killed. Yeah, I remember that. And so they shut the whole plant down, literally shut the whole plant down. And I'm like, I mean, I'm instantly I'm like, what am I going to do? I can't. Well, people just started calling and they're like, hey, man, I heard you left. Can you help me out with this HVAC project? Oh, okay. One led to two, two led to all, all this stuff happened. And I just, I just told her, I was like, hey, all these people are calling. Right. I'm just going to start a heating and cooling company just and I'm just going to do it on my own. Yep. So it literally went from being completely burned out, never wanting to look at heating and cooling again yep. to doing something for three days. And I mean, this is probably like a four month span yeah. to being thrown directly into the fire. Right. And we've talked about this in other episodes. I didn't know what I was doing. I knew, I knew literally nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm calling people trying, you know, trying to figure stuff out you know, setting up checking accounts, but you know, all this different, getting licensing, getting insurance, doing all this stuff. And literally it just, boom, there it happened. Yep. And when I, when I told her that she was like, I don't, this has been a long time ago. I shouldn't say a long time ago, like 12 years ago. I don't remember exactly what the conversation was, but I think it was probably like, yeah, you better do something. Right. It's probably what she said to me then. Right. You know, so my mind's a little, you know, different. She, we were both motivated, but I would say to selling your wife on it. If your wife's not on board, you're in trouble. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's just, it, it, you will fail. Yes. Either in business or in your relationship. One of those things you will be in deep shit. Yep. Okay. It takes when you're married and, and I'm going to go on a little married tangent. I feel like, you know, these days when people get married, 
marriages fail because people are selfish. And they don't realize that when you get married, that single part of you is dead, and yeah. it's gone. It ain't about you anymore. No, you two are together, and you're a team against everybody else. Mm-hmm. It's you and her against everybody else, okay? And if you're not together, it ain't freaking happening. Right. Okay? And for me, she was completely supportive. Yep. Now, when we did it, we didn't have a kid. You know, it was just us. It wasn't, you know, a big deal, and she had a good job. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not going to say, hey, oh, we were in dire straits. You know, like Tyler that was on the show was ramen noodle poor. Right, right. You know, he's not, they're not married, are they? No, they're not married. So he's single and it's, you know, but, so it was harder for him, I feel like, than it was for me to do it. Yeah. You know, and I'll say that, you know, she was, she helped support my start. Right. Really. I mean, we had been, you know, we had been married, oh, 10 or 12 years, really. And and we had been socking away money. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. We weren't broke or anything. Um, but I had her to fall back on mm-hmm. and she was completely supportive. Right. So thank God I had her, right. you know, and we took off. But like I said, if, if your wife is not on board, you're in deep shit and it ain't going to work. Yeah. So how do you convince her, Mitch? Right. If she's not on board, because mine was on board. Right. Well, and I know Danielle was nervous as shit. That's dude, Mitch's she, wife's name. Sorry. Yep, I don't yep. know if you, it, yeah, that's okay. That's all right. No one cares. She doesn't care. <laughs> they, um, I mean, how do you convince? How do you convince a wife that's so, not on board? Well, for for our situation, uh, my wife wasn't working. I was the sole income earner of our household. Makes sole it tougher. Makes insurance them more provider, nervous, right? Right. Sole everything. Sole like she ran the house. I ran the money. I brought the money in, right? And here I am looking at walking away from. She thinks all of that. We're gonna be in poverty. Off, right? Fuck. What right. are we gonna do? <laughs> and and we're gonna start our own thing. So. Um, for me, I had quite a few years of, of management experience, managing large plumbing departments before I started. So the, the business side of things was there. My, my experience about knowing how to run the, run the department, run the business, you know, run, work the people, answer the phones, like all of those things were there. You mean the ability to go from zero to big? Like in my case, my curve was real slow if I was to do that. Mitch's curve was more like this because well, he'd already been there when it came to Yeah, I'm not even bit, I'm not even talking like business. after that. Like it's more like one of the things that a spouse could be fearful of is like how do we answer phones? Like how do we You're talking about the actual structure of yeah, the, the structure company. of the business. Like what do we do with the money? Like how much money do we have to make to make this worth it? And like not even understanding the finances and all of that. So that's where all those prep work episodes come in because they're going to answer a lot of those questions for you. Yeah. Um, and, and it's my 20 years of experience in doing this for other departments is what's led to the creation of those prep steps. But so, so mine knew all of that. Um, I think what it was for me was I went through three different jobs in the last 10 to 12 months. Um, no, 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 no. In the last three years. So three years before, before I, you started. Yeah, three years before I started my company. From that three-year point to when I started, I had worked at three different places. Uh, prior to that, I was kind of a long 10-year person. I would work for people for long periods of time. I worked at one place for 10 years. Um, and and I like kind of helped start their plumbing department and then build it into what it was at the time I left. And so, um, um, but... When I left there, I left in immediate, like no days off, 
I, I got it. Like I didn't leave. I left there Did on you, great terms. You didn't take like a four day weekend. No, no. Like I literally, oh, shit. I, so when I, I got, I, I got offered a job <laughs> with another company, thought about it for a long time, initially turned it down and then decided, no, this is my opportunity to gain the knowledge I need to start my company. And so, um, I gave my prior employer, I actually gave him a three week notice instead of a two week notice because I knew it was going to take three weeks to teach them how to do everything that I was doing. Um, and I did not want to, I was leaving them on great terms. So left them, um, uh, went and worked at this other company for like 18 months. Um, I left that company on bad terms. Um, and they were a bunch of shitheads. Yeah. It it was one of those things that it's forced choice, right? It's, it's not, it wasn't my choice, but I, uh, but it, but it should have been your, but I wasn't fired if that makes sense. (laughs) <laughs> so basically so they told you we're going to fire you unless you re- resign. Well, basically they requested I resign. <laughs> yeah. they, they didn't have a, they didn't have a ground to fire me, but they did not want me to work there anymore. So they requested I resign and they gave me a severance package and starting too stuff. many, starting too many fires in upper management. Uh, ba- yeah. Calling them out on yeah. too much bullshit. That's exactly really? what, it, yeah, that's exactly what <laughs> it was. A, listen, so, everyone right now is thinking that's completely bullshit. They're like, Oh, they've talked. No, I hadn't. No, had no yeah, yeah. But, but usually, uh, so like my wife's, uh, boss recently, this exact same thing happened, but it was like, literally his wasn't starting too many fires. It was, uh, I'm pretty sure he was a complete idiot. Right. But the lady before him was the same thing. Yeah. Like she didn't take no shit. She yep. was just like, uh, no. Right. And so it, they were just like, I mean, people were trying to, you know, force her out without, you know, forcing her out. And finally right. she was like, adios. You know, right. See ya. Yeah, so um, the one finger signal. I'm I, out. I left there, and and I have a lot of contacts in the industry, right? So I left there. Well, yeah. Um, I took, I don't know, maybe a week off, and I started planting seeds, calling some people, and everything else. I wasn't quite ready to start our company yet. Um, I wasn't person. My personal finances were not where they needed to be for me to start my company. I was not debt free. Yeah. Yet. Side tangent. So when Mitch left there, he calls me. Yep. And we went and got a couple beers and. He said, hey, I'm thinking about going to this place, which was the place you eventually went to. Yep. And he was like, you know, I'm the, and, I, and I kept saying, do you remember? I kept saying, dude, just do it on your own. Yeah, yeah. You, do it on your own. And, and You can do it. The reason I, so I was not, my personal finances weren't in, I was yeah. not debt free. And yeah. so I was not comfortable starting our company yet. Yeah. So I And went, that turned out to be good. Yeah, yeah. So basically I took all the ideas that I would take to start our company. And start and helped them. And I went to another company who had done HVAC for 30 years and they had never done plumbing. And I literally created a plumbing department for them. And they're a big company. And and they're a big company. And they do great well. company. Yeah. Uh left there on great terms and everything else. They treat their guys pretty good, don't they? Yeah. 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 They treat them great. I, I, everyone I've ever talked to that's worked there is Yeah. They're pretty happy. And so um so I worked there for seven months, and in seven months, we took them from never doing a, a dime in plumbing work before to now doing very respectable money in plumbing. Um, and and so that kind of proved my startup process. Like, okay, if it worked here, it'll work for yeah. for me. It was verif- self-verification. Right. And so there was a day where Danielle and I had talked for quite a long time, like years, about the dream of starting our own company and everything else. Well... There was a very specific day in January of 2020 where uh, I told her, like, so there, there was a time where I had realized, okay, I successfully started this company, uh, su- successfully started this plumbing department for this other company. Uh, there's no reason I can't do this for myself yeah. now. And, and for those that have 
lost tracker came in later or fast forwarded this is how do you sell your wife yeah, yeah, on yeah. starting your own business yeah and so i texted her um and and said we're doing this i've now done this for three different companies had been wildly successful have very rarely ever made a mistake i've never made a detrimental mistake um it's it's time that i quit putting all of my skills to use for somebody else and it's time that i start building a legacy for our family and and we had had enough conversations in the past she knew that when that text came across it was like but but that, it. but to the question of right. how do you sell your wife on it so I, ultimately you, you say you you say in generalities we had these conversations in the past yeah, people yeah, yeah. are looking for direct answers yeah so I ultimately mean, I mean, what are direct answers what were her real caveats yep ultimately it is a matter of getting all of your spouse's anxieties uh, resolved. Well, give me prior. An, give me a, a, an example of a, like one that she had. So, like, what was she? What was the really one thing she was worried about? Money and health insurance. Okay, so health. Okay, so health insurance. So, what did you do about health insurance? So, the, that money. Was the, money's a pretty easy. Yeah, I've got to make this much for us to make this much. Well, so what was to, what was the health insurance on, on the health insurance side of things? It was a matter of going to some private insurance brokerages and finding out exactly what. Where did you go? Um, we need specifics here because people have but, these same questions. Oh, they're all over. Like, like I'm in Kansas City, but the the person like, did you that go we to used... did you call Blue Cross Blue Shield? No, no, you no, call... no. You're gonna what you're, did you do? You're gonna like Google private insurance broker or in you, your area. Yeah, or, and I then mean, you go to them and say, "Hey, this." Hell, is the what person I'm we were getting it from was in like Georgia. Oh, really? Yeah. You, so you just called them? They did, yeah, they didn't just go nationally, but um, you know, I. I was this was this before Obamacare or after? Oh, it's way after. Way after. So could you have gone on the private so, health uh, exchange? No, we could not do marketplace insurance because I had been earning enough money to where... You um, couldn't even be on that. Yeah, the marketplace plan was not going to be effective for But us. you could have got it. But I, it was expensive. Maybe I could have got it. I don't even know if I could have gotten it. They, but, but then you started researching. Right. And, and these are... And I'm peppering him because yep. these are real questions people have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, actually, I remember now how I did it. I went to our local community page on Facebook. Oh, really? And I just played dumb, and I said, I'm in the market for looking for a private health insurance broker. Who do you got? What do I do? And I just started calling everybody that got recommended, and there was one person that kind of stood out with their answers a little bit better than anybody else, and so we just went through them. And, and we just factored it into the budget. And it, 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 it really didn't even matter what the cost was. It, the cost wasn't crazy, but it didn't matter what the cost was. It just became a part of the budget that was going to have to get met every month. It didn't matter. How much more? So we were spending like two grand a month for private insurance for a family of four through your paycheck or no, no, no. So it's what, private. So you're you're writing them a check every week. Yes, I know that. When you're at at uh, almost <laughs> said so when you were with them, how right. much of your insurance were they covering? Because um, you're listen. Everyone always thinks, oh, you know, I have insurance through my work. They're not paying all of it, right? You see right, right. it on your check. Okay, they're paying six hundred. I'm paying four hundred. That's a thousand dollars a month. So, this, so that doesn't really matter. Like, like you could look at you could look and say, okay, right now I'm paying X amount of month, X amount of dollars for insurance. I, I bring it up because it, sometimes it's a lot less than people realize it is. Yeah. So, private insurance is expensive and yes. it sucks. Yes. It's, it's not the best insurance, right? Like you'd have to spend a fortune to get really, really good insurance. I want to say we were spending like eighteen hundred a month. For insurance 
Um, when you're working for an employer and they're covering a portion of your insurance, you're spending a lot less than 1800 a month. You're probably spending closer to like a thousand dollars a month. Um, but that's mean, a, that's a group the, plan. You, you mean the policy is a thousand, they're paying half 500 and then you're no, paying no, 500. No group plans. What are is just, the actual numbers? Group plans are a lot cheaper. So because they have more, empl- they have more people in them. Right. Yeah. Right. So private insurance is his own animal and it, it really like. You're doing yourself a favor if you forget what you're paying for insurance now and you focus on how much is private insurance going to cost you and how do you get build that into the budget to just get it covered. If that is your wife's biggest anxiety or your spouse, I don't want to say wife. Figure but out the number and figure out figure a way out to cover it. it. Exactly, exactly. And, and you're going to learn real quick in business, costs don't mean a whole lot anymore. Like when you start your business, so, to, there's, there's a lot of things where it doesn't matter what they cost. All it matters is how do I make enough money to pay for that cost? Um, yeah. Robert Kiyosaki is a, economics 101. Is is you know people get scared when they see big numbers, and I think that's a lot of the anxiety that people have when they start, a, you know, a company or they go into big management and they see this number, you know, and they look at it and they're like, oh man, so that we have this many employees, and we have this much insurance, and that's fifty thousand dollars a month, and and people just panic. There's no how are we going to get all this money? But you don't realize that, okay, so I've got 20 guys working, and all those guys are making average $750 a day, and, oh, right. you know what? All of a sudden, that number isn't as big as you think it is. Sales cures all problems. It's, it's more of a percentage thing. Right. If you want to see things small, break them down into percentages. Right. But But like Mitch is saying... Find out what the number is. Find out what the budget needs to be. Right. And then figure out how to overcome that number yeah. in, in a realistic manner. You hey, can, look, babe, if we run three calls a day or three calls every other day, wh- you know, whatever it is, and and that and, means and that these aren't, this money is this. This isn't entrepreneur math this. either. No, no, on, this is real math. This, this So sales managers love to do this shit. If you interact with three customers a day and, and you close on... 40% of them and that closes this average ticket and yeah. all like all of a sudden they've now talked themselves into this crazy impressive financial number that the, is unrealistic. They've talked themselves into making 50 grand a day with two employees. Right. Like dude, okay, come on, that doesn't happen. Right, right, right. So, yeah, basically and we may be getting at, we're we're getting up here right we're, now. We're but, way out, but don't don't do that fictitious math with your spouse. No, do realistic be very realistic math. math, right? Yeah. And and if your business can't cover the cost of private insurance, then you don't have a good enough business plan yet. You don't have enough. Your plan is not solid enough to cover those sales yet, or or to cover those costs yet. I or mean. realize, okay, I'm not gonna. I realistically don't think I'm gonna have the money to pay for that insurance for six months. So I need to have the money to pay for that insurance for six months before I start. Yeah. Or, okay, maybe maybe the spouse needs to look at getting a job that's gonna cover insurance. While you start, if that's like, there's another avenue there that could happen, yeah. right? Um, I I was so confident with ours that it wasn't it wasn't a concern. No, for us. and we're talking about you know how to ease, and listen. This isn't this isn't a female thing. No, you know, no, no. We no, have no. wives. Yeah. If you're a woman and you have a male husband and he's and you're the breadwinner, which let's be honest, it's a lot more prevalent than oh, it yeah. used to be. Yeah. Okay. And you're the breadwinner now, and he's working part time at Domino's. Yep. Okay. And he doesn't get insurance, but you carry the insurance. But you want to open like Claire's that we haven't had Claire's episode on, mm-hmm. but a body sculpting deal. And she and you think that you can make all the money to pay for the insurance for everybody. 
and he's panicked, you still have to break down the numbers. Yep. No matter who's you know making it. And listen, if he can go from being a driver at Domino's to being a manager, and the money's the same, but he gets health insurance. insurance guess what? That's a way to alleviate that anxiety. Yep. But you have to be on the same page mm-hmm. when you're making those decisions. That's how you win your spouse over. Yeah. Not your wife, your husband. That's how you win your spouse over. Right. Either way to get to common ground. Yeah. Before you can make it make it successful. So for me, you know, I had years of experience running financial spreadsheets and running sales reports and and analyzing exactly how many calls we would need and in, in, in the average like sales per call and all of this kind of stuff. And so for me, I was very confident in, okay, all I need to do is run this many calls a day and the budget's going to be met. Anything over that is gravy. And that number of calls a day was like, like two. And, and so I, I had a very fixed budget. As long as I ran two calls a day, we should hit our budget. And if anything, if I run three or four calls a day, then we should exceed our budget. Um, and so that calmed her fears very quickly. You know, initially she's like worried about, are we going to have enough work to even give you two calls a day? That's 10 service calls a week. You know, how are you going to get 10 people a week to call you? Well, we had some other plans in place that worked out for that, but ultimately, and we we talk about those plans in the first nine episodes. Yeah. And ultimately to get your spouse on board, you have to very clearly identify what their concerns are. And then you have to be very practical about putting plans in place to alleviate those concerns. Yeah. You can't just say, I don't know, we're going to figure it out because you won't. Yeah. That's not a plan. You might figure it out after you're broke. That's hope. Yeah. Businesses don't succeed on hope. No. You know, they they may drive the uh, inspirational side of the business, but success comes with concrete plans and, and sales. So, um, that kind of wraps up Jeremy's questions. Yeah, that went a little, little, little long, longer than I thought. But it that's was all right. Gonna, you know uh, what? I'm just gonna benefit of podcast form here. I'm just gonna reach over. He's here. he's gonna top off his bourbon. I'm just gonna reach over here real quick. Yeah. Let me. Do so, I need to top off my sparkling water? I don't know. Um, okay. I, I last question. Do you? Last question we've got here is uh, is from Matt Coffee. I don't know where Matt Coffee lives. Um, but we've, he, met, we've messaged him. Hopefully yep. he gives us some info. He emailed us in. He actually emailed us in very, very recently. Uh, but he's got a good question. Um, Matt, he works for a farm equipment dealer, and he has for four years, and he's wanting to start. What does he do there? Uh, I don't know what he does there, but he's wanting to start a business doing <clears throat> farm equipment repair. Okay, so he's probably a mechanic there or sales. or mm, I don't know. Maybe. Well, you'd have to have some kind of mechanic background i'm assuming he is right i don't think he's a sales guy that says i'm gonna go turn wrenches no but turning um, wrenches is more fun than being a salesman right so he is very upfront that his business that he's wanting to start would be a one-man show his question is he sees us refer to i and we and and things like that but he he's he's concerned he's concerned that if he says i then people aren't going to be able to rely on him Right. Because they think he's one guy. Right, right. And if he says we, he's going to be lying to them. He's he's worried that he's lying because it's not a we, it's an I. So, so. For, first off, Matt, that's a good conscience to have. If you're yeah. that worried Your about... Your conscience is in the right spot. If you're worried about 
lying to people about calling yourself we, you already have my respect. Yep. And you're probably going to have your customer's respect right off the gate. And you're probably going to be pretty successful at what you do. Yeah. Because your mind's in the right spot. Yeah. Honesty is, I mean, honesty and your moral compass are what drive you. Right. I mean, and when you look around at the country right now, it's, I mean, obviously we've lost a lot of that. Right. Right, Margus? We've lost a lot. Yeah. I guess Marcus literally, I could feel his eyes roll and just looked over at him. But, yeah, but I mean, we is the answer. You yep. say we. Yep. Okay. You don't say I. You're not lying to them. Okay. We is a thing. If you're successful, you're, and you want to be a one man show, but you're so successful you have to hire somebody, you're going to be a we anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. You might have a helper. I don't know if he's, if he's married or not. But that's a we. Mm-hmm. Your wife is going to help you. Yep. Okay? That's just what it is. Yep. You're going to be a we. And Mitch brought this up earlier, and I'm going to steal some of his points. Oh, you're going to steal my point. I'm going to steal one of his points here. Uh, you know, he said, you know, he has people backing him up like his purse distributor. Right. Okay? That's a we. You are part of an industry. You are a we, even if you're only a single guy out there working. Mm-hmm. And and even if he only wants to stay a one man show, it is. We haven't talked about this, um, but if you're a one man show, if you're a one man show and you're growing and growing and growing, it's almost harder to not hire someone than it is to hire someone and stay on that elevated track. Right. I did it. I know. Yep. Okay. There. It's really hard. So when you start out as a one-man show, um, your aud- I mean, your track is this. And I'm going to make Marcus show me on the video. Yeah. You know, your track is this. Yep. And then when you get so big that you decide, I need to either hire someone or stay a one-man show, your track becomes this. Yep. And that's just how it is. And Okay? And I'm and not saying... Dave's, Dave's giving a wavy motion with it. Yeah. It, was, it was going up at a 45-degree angle, but then it starts wavering. And the yes. reason it starts wavering is because you get oh, yeah. freaking tired. I forget that we're not just on YouTube. Right, right, right. So, yeah. So so you're going up at a 45-degree angle. You're climbing the hill. And, and that's as a one-man show. But when you get to the point where... I'm going to say it again. You, you have to either hire someone or decide, I'm going to stay a one-man show. That hand starts waving. That line goes... Down yep. and up and down and up because you're turning down work, you're grabbing work. Yep. You're turning down work, you're grabbing work. You're, so you're turning down work because you're too busy to get to it. And then you realize, oh, I turned down a little too much. And so now you're slow. Yes. And so now you start grabbing everything you can. And then you grab a little too much. And so now you're busy. Yes. And listen, I am not, I did this. So yeah. it's easy for me to say this. You are not doing a wrong thing. No. If you're comfortable no. doing that. You're going to do it. You're just describing the way it is when you, you're a one-man yeah, show. Yeah, if you're going to piss people off, yeah. Are you going to make a lot of people happy? Yeah. Are you going to make a shitload of money because you're on your own? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, those are just, that's a bridge that Matt is going to have to cross mm-hmm. if he is successful. It's just, it, that's just freaking how it is. Yep. You're either, you either are going to continue on that upward trend and you're going to have to sacrifice a little bit of money to hire guys. Yep. Or you're going to have to go down. Yep. And then you're going to have to go up and then you're going to have to go down and you're going to have to go up. And that's just, that's just what it is. Yep. Not to steal too many of your points. There, no, you're buddy. good. You're good. <laughs> so, um, I had to grab that to fill my, my yeah. thought process there. Ultimately you could go either way. 
Um, of course you if, can. If he if he says I, he's going to lose some customers that want the comfort that the, that he's a little bit bigger than a one man show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird. Customers want the one man show, but they want the security of a company that has multiple employees. There are people that will pay the biggest giant corporations in town. They know they're paying extra money because they want the security to know that they'll always be able to call them and they'll always have somebody available to send out and all of that. And, and a caveat to that is um, some people will wait to pay someone that's a one-man show because they trust them so much. Yeah, yeah. And it, they're so tight with different them. types of customers. And listen, right. and, and this isn't bad. Older customers are like that. Yep. Okay, I, I'm, not, I'm 40, yep. but I'm like that. Yeah. Unless it's a complete other disaster emergency, if I know someone personally and they're like, okay, yeah, I can be there, but man, dude, I'm swamped and it's going to be two days. If it's not an emergency, I wait. Yep. Because I trust them that much. Yep. So if Matt says, I'm going to stick with I, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's all you right. Can, you can totally do that. If if I were Matt, I would use the we term. I would too. And, and the reason why, like I, I use the we term whenever... I started ours. Um, uh, we refers to you, Matt, but it also refers to the people that you're buying your material from, yeah. the people you're buying your repair parts from, the trucking companies that are delivering, you know, the UPS and FedEx drivers that are delivering those to you. The people you're buying tools from. Yeah. Hydraulic hoses from. Right. It also refers to the guy that's repairing your truck so you can drive out to these different farms and repair their equipment. So... Um, when you say we, you're not a liar. Right. You're referring to we as in myself and all of my vendors because that's what goes in. It takes you and all of your vendors to deliver amazing customer service to your customers. So your vendors are very much part of that. So it's very okay to say we, even though you're referring to a one-man show. Um, I did it, and I, I like I always say we on the, on this show. In the context of the show, you'll catch me saying I a lot because I'm, I'm just referring to like my business, right? Yeah. But when I, outside of this show, it is always a we, 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 we. Um, and even when I started, I'm the only plumber we have. My wife wasn't even, my wife was answering phones, but she wasn't even on the payroll yet. She's not even like, but it was still a we officially employee. Still a we. And I'm saying, we will get out there tomorrow and we will get you taken care of. And then I would show up as one person. And the customer would say, you, you said we on the phone. Is anybody else coming? And I'm like, no, I just always say we. I refer to our like our company, we, our company. Yeah. And, and they'd be like, oh, well, how many of, how many plumbers do you have? Uh, it's just me. So it's just you? Yep. Well, and, yeah. it's, it, and, and so every and once in a while. Say, like, and you can say, hey, my wife helps me. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, you can say, if, if someone asks mm -hmm. and out is, my wife helps me. If you're not married... I have distributors that help me. They'll bring me parts. Right. They'll bring me deal. And, and if someone gets that deep in there and they're yeah. being completely weird about it, which let's be honest, we're talking one out of 150 people. I've, I've I, okay, yeah. In the last, I mean, that dig that deep and it it makes them weird about it. Yeah. It, Be before it's we not gonna happen. Before we hired people, I probably had I'm gonna say 10 people over a year, kind of actually like, like pause for a second and ask. And finally, so I I use the we term. Uh, because one of my one of my mentors at a previous place I worked always said the best leaders never say I, the best leaders always say we. Yeah. And 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 the only time a leader will say I is if they are talking about a team failure. 
If your team failed, the leader owns it. Then you say, I. and it's I failed. Yeah, I, I failed, failed our you. team. I failed you guys. Right. I should have had you more prepared. Right. I should have done this to help you be better. Yep. And so if we're talking about good things, it's we. If we're talking about things that need improvement, it's I. Yeah. So um, if a cust- if one of those customers calls you and says, "Hey, this hasn't happened." This broke that you repaired. I'm trying to think of something Matt would repair. I yeah. just don't know a lot about. Fun. Yeah, you yeah. would say, "I am sorry." Yeah, yeah. I will be right there. I'm coming out today. Yep. You go to I. That's yeah, yeah, a great yeah. point. Yeah. So, um, um, I eventually. So, uh, like, like I said, say, about psychology 10, 101 right here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, like I said, I had about ten customers over that first year before I hired people. They were like a little weirded out because I had said we so much and now it's just me. And and so finally I would just tell them, you know, I, I learned a long time ago that great leaders always refer to their organizations as a we thing. And so it's just habit. I, everything I say is we, we, we. Yeah. And, and eventually we will be a lot bigger than what we are now. Um, so I just say we. And, yeah. and that just ended it. So, um, But that tells you that customers are very in tune to wanting to work with people or, or businesses that at least appear larger than they are. Yeah. So um, use the we term if you if you can. You, you're not really going to go wrong with using I, but you're going to go a lot farther using we. Yeah. Um, and and that's subconscious too, because we is a team. And yeah. People, when you say we, they automatically, even though you're not referring to them, you're referring to them. Yeah. You're, you're talking we as humanity. We as a group. We as a small community. Yep. We as a small shop. We as a, we is just the way to go. Yeah. And and I'll 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 also add this, Matt. You're gonna want to get to a we platform anyway. You're gonna want to get to where you've got like three guys out in the field fixing stuff. Because for one, farm machinery is freaking heavy, and sometimes you need an extra hand. Well, they usually have those little boom trucks. I know. I know. And they use it. But but have still, a field welder. It's you I know. had my welder out the other day. Yeah, I hadn't welded anything in a while. I was just out. I was out in the shop. I had some angle iron. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a brace for this chicken coop right here. I'm going to do it. Got it out. Welded it up. Little side tangent. Squirrel. I like doing a lot of fun <laughs> stuff like that. Well, when you, so the guys, so Tom that lives next to me is a farmer. Oh boy, here He's we got go. Tons of, I'm going to. Sorry, Matt. I'm going to verify this. So he has a lot of farm machinery, and those guys are always out there working on it. I love it, man. Yeah. I'll go over there and hang out with those guys. They'll be working on hydraulics. They'll be working on the uh, the planter. They'll be working mm-hmm. on whatever. Yep. It fascinates me. Yep. How awesome that equipment is. And there's a so just the other day they 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 run big trucks too. They can't find any help, yeah. especially qualified mechanics. You know, qualified anything. Mm-hmm. So if you can be in that industry, I, I think you can make a ton of money. Yeah. And if you could get a few guys that were on board that weren't flaky and trying to go off and do a ton of side work and do this, right. I think you could really make a lot of money doing yeah. it. Well, and, and for, for Matt's concern, get to a platform of we because it saves you from getting burned into the ground and just yeah. like beating your dick into the dirt, working so damn hard. And there can be a lot of long hours because those guys, yeah. you know, when it's, when if it's harvest season they're, and they're out there at midnight with the lights running yeah. and they have, especially like around here, there's a lot of, um, smaller farms, mm-hmm. you know, they don't have John Deere on call because they're running eight combines in a row, you know, yep. rolling down fields. And I, and I think that's probably what Matt's like, that's his niche. Yeah. You know, you know, one combine or two combine farms are calling him. Yeah. Dude, you could be wore out at harvest yeah. time real quick. Yeah. And, and so like it, 
the most difficult time in my business was the months right before we hired our first guy. Because you're busy in hell. Well, you're busy enough to warrant having to hire somebody. You're doing all of that work yourself. Yeah. You don't even have time to enjoy the money you're making. No, you're and just so, socking it away. <laughs> yeah. And it, it just sucks, right? You're begging someone, please, please help me. Yeah. Please, and so, please go and help me. You're, you're in, in all of your concerns don't go away at your first hire, really. Like, you got to get to like two or three to, to really start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. But when you get to two or three, now they're doing enough work to where you can kind of pull out a little bit and manage them a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you, you don't have to have one guy, you have to have one guy plus one guy so that you can step back. So you really got to have almost two guys right off the bat to make that jump if you're that busy. Yeah, it just depends on who your first guy is. But but like you get to a platform of three, and they should be producing enough work and enough sales to allow you to step out of the sales side of things for a minute and keep and and, and, and work an on over, the business like instead of in the business. Okay, yeah. so yeah, we've got this. I can step up. I can look yeah. and see what's going on. Okay, we're on the right track. Yeah, and, and that's then, and then you can jump back in. Don't and, don't think you can't jump right. back in. There, that's where we're at, like right now in our business. We have three other plumbers and myself, and you know I work like in the field, like two or three days a week. And that doesn't mean like my other two days a week I'm like kicking off and fucking around. It means that no, now you're investing I'm, your time in growth. Now I'm sitting in front of the computer running some spreadsheets and going, yeah. okay, if we get to this financial situation, then we can really excel here. And that's yeah. going to be the key to hiring the next guy. And I'm forecasting when the money's going to be there to hire the next guy and when the calls are going to be there to hire the next guy. I'm strategizing better ways to take care of our guys. And it'll be an HVAC department new, before you know it. Right. <laughs> right, we we might do HVAC and electrical and the whole nine yards. Who ne- you never know what you what never it know may what's going to come down the pipe. But but that all started with the platform of we instead of I. Yeah. So um, having that vision because I I knew I didn't want to be wor- I didn't want to be owning a job. I knew I wanted to own a business. So um, and we've talked about that in previous shows. But the difference if you own a job when you own a job if you don't go to work that day no money is made. When you own a business, you can take the day off, and the business still makes money. That's the biggest difference between owning a job or owning yes. a business. So, and in different and in, in different companies, it, it's obviously different. In Mitch's, that's just how it is, right? You know, right. so like in HVAC, if if well, you've got service contracts coming in anyway, and yeah. you're one man show, it's it's almost like it's a little bit. It, it's, it's a little mostly bit. A, owning a job. But then just a little bit, yeah. And and then there are you know other companies. That, you got like Tyler who owns the gym. Yeah. So every he, all so of his people takes, are paying monthly memberships, right? So if yeah. he takes a day off, even which though, which he does, he'll close yeah. the gym and he'll go to New York for three days to enjoy himself, right? Yeah. Um. So he's still making money even though he takes the day off, but yeah. he can't do that too much because if he does, yeah, people are going to leave his gym because it's closed. Yeah. So you know, and that and that's that was a great point. So if. If he had, like, say he came to you, you go to his gym and said, hey, man, can you watch the gym for one day? Mm-hmm. Mitch might do it. Yeah. Somebody in the gym might do it. Yeah. His buddy, not yours, Tyler's buddy may go in and do it. Yeah. So his is like, you know, it's kind of a hybrid. He gave me to a, a key to his gym two weeks ago. Nice. Yeah. You know what? You know I can what? go in there on Sundays and stuff and work out if I want. You know what I love and hate about you? So I get up this morning at 5, Okay. I'm up. I'm up at five. Okay. Yeah. And I'm making coffee, getting ready. I pull up my phone. It's five thirty. You know, 
I look at it, and then Mitch has a post on there. It's four fifty three. Yep. One year since Casey dog or, or dog pound Casey, and there's a photo on there. I'm like four fifty three. This mother, I've been I, I've been <laughs> up. Some bitch has been up for at least half an hour before. I've me. been up been prepped. I'm at the gym waiting to start working out at four fifty three in the morning, posting on Facebook. You know, today was my one year anniversary like, of like going to the gym so every I day. See it, so I see it, and I'm looking at it, and it's. I think it was like 523 or something, you know? And I'm thinking, man, I hate getting up this early. And then I look at Mitch's thing and I'm like, he's been there for half an hour now. Yeah. And I I can't decide if I'm enraged at that moment or not. I'm like, do I drive over there and just punch him? <laughs> do I call him? I mean, like, uh, just like. You drive over and join the workout. <laughs> that ain't happening, dude. <laughs> that ain't happening. I mean, I work out, but. Not a four fifty three. Yeah, you know that's my routine. I mean, he's literally. We oughta, it's, it's black. I'm like, I mean, it's dark out. You know, none of the lights are on. I'm like this, this crazy son of a bitch. Yeah, is at this gym every day. Nuts, man. Every day, like clockwork. You're nuts. So, um, well, Jeremy, Matt, I hope those answers uh, help you out. And uh, as always, tune back in with us as you start your journey and and keep us in the loop as as to how successful you are. So. Um, uh, I've actually got a phone call scheduled with Jeremy here pretty soon to go over some more questions. So good. We'll see how that works. You know what we should maybe, do? maybe we'll call him on speaker here. Well, I was thinking maybe he could, dr- it's not that far. From it's here. not that far. Right. Yeah. He could, he could drive four hours. Yeah. Tell him, Hey man, you want to be on the show? Yeah. See if I was a baller, I'd just like send my private jet over to get him. I was going to say, see, Mitch's idea of baller and mine are different. I was thinking maybe throw him 100 bucks for a hotel room. <laughs> Drive your own ass out here. <laughs> so, well, uh, that wraps up our show for today. Again, if it taught you something, um, if you saw value in in what you listened to today, if, if you think somebody else might benefit from this show, uh, please do us a favor and share the link to the show you're listening to right now. Literally hit the share button and send it to a friend of yours and say, check these guys out. Uh, they may be able to help you out a ton. So uh, if you have questions that you would like to ask and get our feedback on, um, and we may just even talk about them on the show, uh, send those questions to askmitch at mitchsmedley.com. Um, other than that, uh, guys, have a great week, and we will Good catch show, up with Mitch. you later. Nice job, buddy. Love See you guys. Ya. Thanks, Marcus.